Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Presents Murder Board, a true detective night country discussion. I am Sean. And I'm Missy. And let's just start by saying Travis fucking Cole. <laughs> I was so happy to hear that name. I mean, I haven't read anything. You think there's any possibility he could show up? I mean, who knows? But um, I mean, they're both, you know, McConaughey and Harrelson are both still producers or executive producers. So maybe, I mean, I'm I'm not going to assume that, but the thought did cross my mind. Um, mm -hmm. You know, okay, for the listeners, obviously, we both had our reservations about the first episode. And I stand by my reservations. And like both of us said, it's still just the first episode. It may, you know, maybe we're going to, change our tune as soon as it gets going and i'm changing my tune officially <laughs> yeah me too um i rewatched the first episode this morning okay and and i i feel like it's got a yellow jacket season two kind of vibe where you got to watch it a second time and it'll feel a whole lot better okay because i had a much more favorable reaction to it the second time around I mean, part of that could have also been that on first watch, I just, because we both love season one, it's, we both had expectations and that first episode did not, did not meet them. Although second time around, it did feel a lot better. Well, Yes, but I, I also think, and I know you haven't seen season two or season all of season three, but you've heard right. me and other people bitch about it. I think it's not just that it, season one leaves expectations of greatness that are hard to match, but also season two <laughs> left, left a pretty <laughs> shitty taste in everybody's mouth. And season three, mm -hmm. like, it, you know, it, it, it has its ups and downs. But so that's what I meant when I started last episode of this show saying, I think maybe this is a cursed show. And I don't, you know, generally I want to like, if I like something, I want to like it. I'm not the kind of person that is like, I'm going to go in there, like, you know, pick this apart. Like, I like, please, I'm willing right. to afford, you know, but I got to call it like I see it. And I I feel like they really hedged their bets on the first episode. And, you know, it's like the, the, card player that looks like he's down and out and then at the end like throws out a full house or a pair or something you know like they they played that first episode really close to the chest and so it was a little frustrating and then this episode i mean we got the travis cole thing within the first 10 minutes maybe and i was uh -huh. like okay you'd really have to piss me off for me not to like like that right there oh means i'm on your side same, but we got the spiral before that because we saw it on the frozen guy's head and you saw it well. And as soon as I saw that and, you know, it connects it to the original first season story, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm in. And then when they mentioned Travis Cole, which for anybody listening, we're we're connecting him to Rust Cole from... It's definite. Well, definite. I mean, I don't remember if Rust... So somebody in our comment section, thank you for all the listeners and the and the co the commenters. Um, 
somebody call out the fact that they remembered Rust in season one saying he lived in Alaska for a while. That sounds he right did. to me. I don't remember, but I trust no, that person hundred percent. Okay. I remember that as soon as he said it, or as soon as they said it, I I remembered it. So so that's right on. He did. Rust was in Alaska for. I don't remember how long he lived there, but he does mention at some point that he he lived in Alaska for a time. So, you know, it's really interesting then. So I I expressed a, a reservation last time that like, okay, they always skirted the supernatural. Now I felt like they were going to like swing the other way too far and it was going to be like crazy supernatural. I don't feel like that. What I actually feel watching this episode and of course like you know all bets like with the next episode who knows like we're just going episode by episode so nobody knows what's going to happen we got so much of the spiral and not in not in a, an egregious way like they they were really i really liked all of the things that they gave us in this episode the way they they gave it to us i.e they mentioned travis cole if you know you make the connection Right. Uh -huh. But they don't say like, that's all you got. Like they didn't say, oh, and his brother was a cop who blah, blah, blah. Like literally just say the last name. If you picked up on it, you picked up on it. If you didn't, you didn't. And there was no more talk of Travis Cole or anything else. And if you uh, were like the guy who plays Travis definitely looks like he yes. could be related. Yes. Like I didn't as soon as they said Travis Cole. And then they flash a picture of, like, um... It was him and her Rose. laying in bed smoking a joint. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, he definitely, like, he looks like he could be yeah. his older brother or something. 100%. But so I, I appreciated the fact that they didn't overplay that. And the eye, even, mm -hmm. or I mean, the spiral, even though we got a lot of it, I didn't feel like they overplayed that either. So no. we see that it's on one of the um, science, frozen scientists' head. And then uh -huh. uh, uh Fiona Shaw's character, then like her and Navarro talk about it, and she draws it in the snow and and says, uh -huh. like that, that's older than Ennis. Right. And then we got the whole thing with the tattoo, right? At the end. Right. And the fact that well, we'll get to the end. But so what it made me think of in season one is what we've been talking about both on the last episode and in the comments on the first episode on YouTube, you know, the idea that like they definitely with the first season and again, another one of the, the listeners that commented, I don't have it in front of me, but put it rather eloquently, which I will now butcher it in a paraphrase, but basically said like they definitely like, introduced the idea of the supernatural but immediately undercut it with like cole's drug psychosis uh you know his mental illness his depression whatever you know and he and cole talks a lot about that about how he did the drug detail undercover and was fried and so that that is where you get you know like maybe the second or third time i watched the first season i realized like okay there's a scene where he sees the spiral but the birds are making it in the sky right Mm -hmm. Or when he fights the fucking inbred dude in the in the last episode, there's a moment where they both see some kind of like portal or something. But you don't really know if they both see it. You don't know if it's Cole seeing it because he's fried. Right. You don't know if it's really there. So I feel like they're actually kind of saying, yeah, no, that was, he was 
that shit was there. Like, mm -hmm. if that I is older than Ennis, right. then it's very possibly tied to some larger force, which could make the birds do that. Oh, right. And they keep pointing out that Ennis is a weird place. Like, they say it multiple times in this episode. Mm -hmm. There are several people who see dead people, not just Rose seeing, seeing uh, Travis. No, even I think it's Ellis is the the supply guy that like in the first season he or I'm sorry, in the first episode he went and it was the one that discovered that the scientists were missing. And mm -hmm. he says to Peter when he's you know questioning him, he's like, You saw somebody? He's like, Well, I thought I saw somebody, but I didn't see somebody. He's like, Well, wait, this is important. He's like, Peter, you grew up here, you know this. People see right. people that aren't there anymore. Couple people say it. Because Kavik says it to Navarro at one point yep. too. When they're talking about uh, her sister, uh, Fiona Shaw's character, who I'm going to have to learn the name of the character—I forget what oh, it is—but Rose, there is you Rose. go. Thank you. She says, and I wrote this down because I was like, "Damn, I love this quote just as a quote, but also what I it, bet we like, wrote down the same quote." Go ahead. <laughs> I I think the world is getting old, and Ennis is where the fabric of all things is coming apart at the seams. That's not the one I wrote down. Oh, what'd you write but down? It also came from Rose. Um. The dead, some of them come back because they miss you. Yep. Some come back to tell you something that you needed to hear. Um, and some come come back because they want to take them with you. You need to know how to tell the difference. Yeah. So her character is good. Like, she's kind of like the shaman for, you know, like mm -hmm. the... Uh, I think it's the half man, I think, is a terminology in, like, some of the screenwriting uh vernacular okay. but but like the shaman character so she's obviously right. prophetic in some way and uh yeah it's nuts because the the first episode the first time i watched it seemed so draggy and this one was not draggy at all no like and i feel like it gave us everything we wanted without giving too much yep and i really liked they built they're building a lot of layers into both the Navarro character and the the Danvers character. Mm -hmm. I was lukewarm on Jodie Foster last episode, but I thought she was really, really good in this. Yeah, in this I part. agree. We got a, a lot of um, answers about her character. I really like her interactions with Peter. They have good chemistry together, and she's you're seeing more, like, while she is kind of this heinous bitch, a lot of it's a front. It's not... Because she looked into that case. She told Navarro she didn't, but she yeah. did. Yeah, yep. Because I forget what they share at one point, but, like, Navarro even says, you, so you did look into it. That might yeah. have been the end of episode one, actually, because I watched I think it was, today. yeah. But, like... She did look into it, and when she did get confirmation that the cases were connected, she went to Navarro and included her anyways. Like, that, that's a lot of strength of character. Even though they don't work, like, they don't work well together, they don't like each other, but she admitted that she was wrong 
you know, and looped her back in anyhow. And they're going to try. And it's it's a lot like it, it has like harmonic resonance with Cole and Woody Harrelson's character okay. because, you know, they work together and then there's a big fallout, obviously, with them. Like, right. you know, uh, and then they come back together, you know, so it's it's a similar thing, but it also doesn't feel like they're just strictly trying to recreate the exact same chemistry. So that's good, too. Like. Well, and there was something between them like they have a closer relationship than we know she knows where her canned goods go right exactly that exactly i caught that too (laughs) like they were either really close friends or or they were a thing because it seems like uh chief danvers got around (laughs) yeah total which i did you don't expect but that's where the where what you said about the front like she's really She's not quite as like the ice queen as she likes the the vibe she likes to throw out, obviously. Right. And even when we see when we see the memory when uh her daughter is talking to when Leah is talking with Deputy Pete and he's talking she's talking about her dad and how they used to they used to dance and they used yeah. to smoke weed and you see this flashback and she looks like a completely different person because she's happy. They made her feel like a, a like a real person and not just, okay, she's the ice queen bitchy chief. Yeah, exactly. And Navarro's awesome. Like, Yeah, I, re- I really like her. I like her a lot. Okay, um, so you mentioned the flashback. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the other flashback where... Navarro is driving, finds the cross necklace, and there's a... I couldn't tell who was what in that scene, where it's like a woman screaming, pointing, and then like a mom. little girl. I think it's her mother, because... Yes. Because you see an older child, an older girl holding a younger girl, so that's probably, uh, you know, Navarro and the sister. Mom is, like, convulsing or something. And we see her chuck the cross out. And I think, so I'm assuming the cross belonged to her mom. Yeah, okay. Now, what do you think? All right, last episode, you had mentioned the she's awake. And I missed it on my initial watch because it was late and I was tired and whatever. But when I rewatched it this morning, um, all right, it she's awake happens three times through that episode. So it's Clark, right, in the station at the beginning. Then it's uh-huh. Navarro driving. And that's when she sees the polar bear. Right before she sees the polar bear, but that's the third time. The second time is uh, Danvers is asleep. She's dreaming. And we see, like, a hand on, like, a little kid's hand on her shoulder. And she hears she's awake and she goes holding and then she wakes up interesting what so i mean i think that and and the little and when we see a flash later of her and a little kid he looks native um so i think that her husband and and that and that they had a small child the husband the husband and the small child died somehow Okay. That's that makes just sense. a theory. I, I think they died, and that's probably when she started becoming this other person. But 
the thing is, like, you could very clearly see this hand on her shoulder, and you hear that she's awake, and then she comes out of the dream. Like, Ennis is a thin spot, and people yeah. keep seeing dead people. So, the now, I'm going to go, I'm going to jump to the end where they find the trailer, right? And in the trailer... Yeah. So, well, no, first, when, so, okay, we're doing, like, a dual um, edit where we're following, Navarro's at Kavix, he, they figure out, oh, the nook, where the trailer, she, she deduces right. that, right? Which I really like the way they spun that out of her using Danvers, like, no, we're not asking the right question. What do you too. mean? That's not what Danvers would say. Like, I really like that. I really liked both of those scenes, actually, the ones about yeah. the right questions. Because earlier in the episode, she's doing that with Deputy Peter. Yes. And they're they're working through stuff together, and she keeps telling him, "All right, ask the questions." And she'd tell, "Okay, you're not asking the right question, and right. you think in a different direction." And it's kind of similar to how Cole used to process things. I was thinking the same thing. In fact, I was wondering, like, did we ever hear him say that? Like, I I couldn't he remember specifically. Have. Okay. But I don't remember specifically either. Um, although all of the talk we've been doing, I'm probably going to start a rewatch of season one in the interim and see what I see. Um, yeah. Just since I'm nocturnal anyway. <laughs> I mean, I if I if I could do it right now, I'm still in a hotel. So if I could do it, I would totally be doing it right fucking now. Um, it's on HBO. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've been I, I'm always like at the precipice of rewatching it. That's how much I like it. Like it, hey, anytime I see or anything reminds me of it, I'm like, oh, I should mm -hmm. rewatch it. I always go um, back to it. Yeah. So, but I'm, so you've got uh, Navarro at Kavix figures this out, goes to the trailer, figures out Clark was fucking Anne at the trailer, right? And right. then concurrently, we've got Danvers, Danvers looking through Clark's like journals or whatever. Is that what and that was? I, I was going to ask so. you what, what that was and where she got it. I, I think it was the stuff that Pete took from his dad, okay. but I'm not positive. I think that's what it was, though. But in there, it starts out, It's and, and earlier we learned that Salal is not like other research stations. They don't rotate people in and rotate people out. It's these people have been here for years, right? And, and they don't leave. They don't, right? And what they're doing is they're trying to sequence the DNA of an extinct microorganism that could potentially stop cellular decay. So that's interesting because extinct microorganism, this is fitting right into kind of weird fiction territory, right? So she's looking through the notebooks. They look like scientific notebooks of some, you know, there's like some very like some words that are obviously like the genus or, or, or whatever names of, you know, like scientific names of things. And then you get him, his scribbles, which are many and say, Oh God, never say her name. I can hear her moving her fingers, cold, dark eyes. I can hear her calling her eyes, her face, her eyes, her face. And it's just, all that shit is written multiple times in weird designs. In the middle of the page is what looks like he drew eyes, right? Where it says cold, right. dark eyes. Right. Well, and again, here's the last episode. It was she's awake. She's awake. And now 
her. You know, her. Who is she? So then when they find the the murder board adequately I, <laughs> the, or whatever it is in um, Clark's trailer. And now we, you know, moments after they find this, we realize he's alive all over the wall. There's pictures of what we can, we're assuming are him and Anne, Clark and Anne, lots of them and of Anne or, or a woman. And then you can't really, like I couldn't make out all of it, but there's come back. Don't go all gone, turn back time. And there's a bunch of other stuff too, but that's what I could make out. There was okay. some stuff where I was like, I there was something that said like until now, but I couldn't tell it was something until now, but it was partially covered by a picture. Okay. I didn't um, catch the words. I was distracted by all the animals, the dead animal parts. and Yeah. And then there's, I don't know if it's a body or a big effigy, but there's like a giant doo doll looking thing in the back. Right. So the size of a person. I was going to ask you what, because I couldn't tell if it was a body or, or an effigy. I was trying to pause it because it could be a body in like a funeral, funeral shroud and then all tied up and wrapped with, because it has all kinds of like string and wrapping and feathers and things. But it could also be an effigy that's just like body size. I'm thinking it might be an effigy simply because they left so there. Mm-hmm. They left there and didn't like call in for like a crime scene, right? Like I feel like unless they just didn't show us that, that would have been as soon as they were going to be called away, they would have immediately like called in a crime scene to lock that down first, especially knowing now deducing that well I, I guess they deduce he's alive after that when they so they get called away by peter to the ice rink where the bodies are thawing uh-huh. and they're what they count the bodies and they're like well clark and then you know navarro's like no he's alive well there how many people disappeared from the research station because i thought they had said eight initially or maybe May, seven it, i'm not sure i i, I felt like i thought I heard seven, but I'm not positive. Okay. But I know I know that they've deduced somebody's missing because when they there get to that end scene, the they're ice. like, there's only six. Yeah, six in the ice. And obviously the intimation, because there's a conversation earlier, like with that scene with Pete and Danvers, right? You're not asking the right questions where he's like, mm-hmm. oh, the killer. She's like, ah, so there's a killer. And then they follow right. that train of thought. And they're trying to figure out why were the clothes folded? Did he fold them? Did he make them? Mm -hmm. So we're led to believe now at this point through deduction that that Clark was the person who did those things and that he's the one who walked away. Right. At least one person. I mean, I swear I thought they said eight, but maybe I'm wrong. You could be right. You definitely could be right. Um, Okay, between those two scenes, so they get the call. They're in. They're in the trailer in the nook. They get the call from Pete to go to the ice rink. It cuts to outside the trailer where there's a snow drift up to the window, and you hear this like weird chanting or I forget what the I always watch stuff with subtitles. It said like eerie. Yeah, I always have the subtitles too. 
So there was some something going on, and I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be music, like atmosphere, or if it was actually something that we were supposed to into it was like. I don't know. I know the scene, but I didn't. I didn't hear anything. So, but then as they pan away from the, well, they don't pan away; they cut. So they, you've got the this sound with the snow drift up to the window of the trailer. You cut. There's a fucking severed ram's head hanging on the mm-hmm. wall, and then like a and raven then an or something. Down raven. And the ravens Oops. hung upside down by its feet. Where was that? I think it was the outside of the trailer. Okay, because I didn't feel like the edit there made that clear because I couldn't tell. Because then I'm like, wait, is this a new location? But then they're at the ice rink. I'm like, whoa, okay, we didn't see that. So it must have been at the trailer. I think it was just a weird cut. Okay. I think it's the outside of the trailer. Um, I mean, it would make sense with all the bones. It doesn't right? make just... sense for it to be anything else. I, But I do think it was a strange cut. There's caribou bones. For, mm-hmm, caribou, especially since there were all kinds of inside the trailer, there were there were bones. Um, and Navarro says something about caribou bones. There's all kinds of feathers and like tiny bones and skulls and things just everywhere. It was like seal bones, caribou bones. Seal bones, yeah. That's what she said. She called out both seal and caribou. Navarro did. So, okay, then the other thing that I'm totally, I I need to hear your take on. So we get the scene where Danvers calls the tattoo place and she's like, oh yeah, you know, she sends the picture, the tattoo artist sends the picture of him, mm-hmm. Clark, with the tattoo on his chest that she had just done in 2017. And then she's mm-hmm. like, oh, and here's the model for it. And you don't see it, mm-hmm. but they cut. And immediately I'll, I'm like, it's Anne. Because that's whatever is this moment is where they ha- we have to get them working together. And the only way to get Navarro and Danvers working together is if their cases connect. And so obviously well, then it was. And then you see a, another picture where you see her with him and the tattoos yes. on her back. So that was the picture we didn't see in the pre. So that's the, the model. That's right? I, that, that's how I took it. So Anne had the tattoo first. And Clark used that and went and got it tattooed on his chest. But here's my question. When she shows that to Navarro, when Danvers shows that to Navarro, she says, this is four days after she died. So I didn't understand what they were saying. I remember there because her saying that. I'm like, is he, is he holding up a corpse? I don't know. Or are they saying that? I remember that- her saying it, but my brain... I mean, I think I took it as it was four days before she died, but that doesn't make sense. So maybe it maybe it was a corpse. Well, four days before she died would make sense. Four days after right. she died makes no sense. Right, and I think that's how it was said. I think I just processed it backwards right. because that made more sense. Right. So maybe she was dead because she says you wouldn't believe the model. So I, I okay. So I this is gonna. This is something definitely for for a second viewing and and going for because yeah, there's we'll a lot that hinges. There's a lot that hinges on on what exactly that means, and we may not know what that means even if we rewatch it. But I know mm-hmm. she said it's four days after she died. She did, but my brain just took it backwards. So that's and I a didn't really... think of it until you just called it out. It was kind of, well, and because it was another thing where they said it and it didn't, they didn't make a big deal about it. Like it was said in a way that was like, obviously she was stating it with, you know, it was serious and like, 
a little bit what the fuck, but not enough. And by that time, the episode's moving quickly enough where it's like on to mm-hmm. the next thing, right? So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. that That is, I feel like, the crux of where yeah, we're going. We'll, need to, we'll both need to take another look at that. Um, the beginning, again, I mean, obviously they're, they've got some heavy thing vibes going on, especially when the dude woke up. Oh yes! Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Let's talk about that. Like, it, that was cool. The crap out of me. I was not expecting that. It, it, very thing, very, very a lot of thing vibes, but all like. And then you keep seeing the dogs, and it, it just kept making me think of it. And I'm like, oh god, please, please don't hurt the dogs. <laughs> it, it, I, I was the way the episode started. Like the other cop, like the cops taking like the selfie or whatever, and then like the one cop accidentally breaks the fucking arm off, right? And like John Hawk's characters are like, oh, they're just blowing off steam or whatever. And I was like, okay, the tone what of this the fuck episode. What's up with him? I don't know. He's a dick. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a total. I don't. I don't know. He's so creepy, and he undermines her every chance he gets. He does. And then, I mean, and then he shows up and like. I think he cracked Peter in the face with like a two by four or a baseball. It was bat. something. He didn't punch him with his hand. I I didn't catch what it was, but I was like, "Holy shit!" Uh, but and also, he was like texting some somebody, right? But like, I got a I got the feeling he might be being catfish because she's like, is. "I'm just worried about mom," and he's like, "Oh, I'll just send you some more money or whatever." I'll just send you more money. But then he, she's like, send me more pics. And he goes over and takes a picture of himself when he's like, it looked like he was younger and with his family. So I was like, what the fuck? What is the game here? Well, in episode one, he was talking about his his mail order bride or something. Like he's getting oh. some like Russian bride or something. That's right. And everybody thinks it's bullshit. And he's totally getting scammed because she's asking him for for money and you know and he's sending all these hearts and whatnot like he's get he's they're either milking him for information money or both well and so i mean i don't know if it ties together but one of the guys they make a point of talking about how one of the guys on the team that's frozen is russian right (laughs) so then hawks has a a russian bride quote unquote so i i don't know there's a lot of little moving pieces and and it's some of it is like you know there's like the who's fucking who thing but also like all of that creates a larger tapestry of this mm-hmm. really small like insular bedroom community and i don't know it's it's really interesting um it is it is and uh It also has kind of a a weird sense of humor because I was fucking dying when they're bringing the bodies to the to the hockey rink. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's blizzarding. They're playing the Beach Boys, and it's a yes. Christmas song. It's the Beach Boys Christmas song, <laughs> and they've got all these frozen bodies like wrapped up in a big tarp, and and it looks like they're it. It's like this morbid frozen parade from hell yeah to this beach boys christmas song 
it, it's a it's a weird soundtrack so far this season. Like they're the, like Casey and the Sunshine Band, but then they used two songs by Agnes Obel, who I quite like, and I was like, oh, is it Agnes Obel? And, and those okay, are like I the haunting piano. It's like it's she's always right. like piano and 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 vocal. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, that, now there's also this whole thing with uh the mine poisoning the water and so there's a like a rift in the community between... oh yeah yeah so i forgot about that but and that is i mean and it initially it sounded like that is probably why annie was killed to begin with she was protesting the mine and the mine people didn't like it and they didn't like her and they don't like navarro because she's still yeah digging around for around it I, I gotta wonder if so all this digging right and we're going into this it's a, again it's it's similar to the thing but it's, it goes back to mountains of madness and just in general like you know there's stuff frozen in the earth that predates mm -hmm. humanity right so I gotta wonder if now we know that Annie and Clark were a thing and they both have the tattoo and she had the tattoo first so I'm curious if he had questions about something he found. He talked to her and she had some kind of a, you know, belief in some ages old thing that then he became obsessed with. He gets the tattoo. She's protesting them digging in the mine because maybe she's like, you shouldn't fuck with what's frozen down there. Mm. Somebody, so either somebody kills her because she's protesting or did Clark kill her because, I mean, I'm getting the vibe that maybe he there's like a sacrifice involved with these other scientists mm -hmm. or something. I don't, I don't know, but I mean, they've laid groundwork for quite the mystery. Right. And they keep, she's awake could be like some kind of goddess, some kind of old God that yeah. they're making sacrifices to. And all right, there's all right. Um, John, John Hawks, right. Mm -hmm. That's his name. Mm -hmm. Keith Adams. Okay. When he goes and, hits peter with the two boy two by four and he he i forget how he says it i should have wrote it down um but he tells him to to stop messing around with danvers she's not your blood something about old blood he said he, i i think he basically says like something to the degree of like family's your blood not her right. or something mm-hmm and he's talking about something about being true to to your blood. And Wait, it feels like it's something old, the way maybe. he's saying it. Like, I, I mean, be. I don't know. I got like a... I don't think he was only talking about family. I, like, okay. I, I got like an occult connotation from Ooh. it. And I mean, it's, it's just in like... It's not something specifically he said. It's just in into the vibe well it yeah. would fit i mean the, the idea that he he's does weird there's something there's something so he's tuned into something weird and i and not like good weird yeah i could see that um what about the, so and this is like freaking me out a little bit because it's giving me a little bit of lost vibes which just is unavoidable <laughs> but so somebody saw the polar bear in the last episode. Who saw it? Was it Navarro? Yep. Well, Navarro saw the, the polar bear 
in the first episode and it's a one-eyed polar bear yeah um danvers her little boy that she's dreaming about had a i think i'm assuming it was his polar bear because she sleeps with it and then later she puts it in the box yeah um and i i looked up polar bear totems uh i use one of the books i use animal spirit guides by stephen d farmer um polar bear messenger of change um it comes to you when you're in need of renewal and reorganization and the polar bear spirit guide is an ally that'll encourage you to make decisions move forward um and be proactive instead of waiting interesting which definitely, you know, like that definitely fits Navarro. It also feels, it also kind of fits Danvers. And we're seeing polar bear imagery with both of them. Yes. And the, I mean, again, the, the animal spirits are important. Uh, like they call it out twice in the, the first episode. Um, Danvers makes comments to, I mean, they're like snarky comments, but she makes comments twice to Navarro about, oh, did, you know, your spirit guide tell you in your dreams and oh, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And then there's, I forget what the comment was in this because I just watched it and then, you know, we jumped online. Um, but she mentions it again. Like they keep calling it to attention. Um, so I keep really trying to pay attention to what animals I see, but the, the polar bear is definitely prominent. Um, and who knows, maybe Navarro may have a connection with the animals. Obviously there are several people here who have connections with the dead, her sister being one of them. Yeah. And, uh, the lighthouse. Like that sounds weird and Lovecrafty. Yeah, was there another mention? But like, what was what were they specifically referring to? Do you know? Yeah, it's some kind of treatment center. Oh, that's Navarro what it was. That's to, what it was. Rose mentions it to Navarro in the beginning of the episode. Yes. That maybe you should talk to the people at the lighthouse. She says, "Don't, um, don't." Don't confuse the spirit world with mental illness. Yes. Or with mental health issues. You should talk to the people at the lighthouse. And then when she tries to broach the subject with her sister, she gets upset and says, no, yeah. I don't want to go back to one of those kind of places. But. And Navarro says it's not it's not a hospital. It's, it's a community it's center. A, it's a community. Yeah, it's a community center. That makes it sound culty. That's really interesting too, because, <laughs> the, like, unrelated, it, I, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, all bets are off going forward. But um, I'm on the third book of um, Jeff Vandermeer's uh, Southern Reach trilogy, which is uh, Annihilation, which was the movie that came out in 2017, and then um, the one with the fucked up bear. Yeah, that one. Uh, okay, I love that. that and then the second one is authority, and the third one I'm on now is acceptance. And the lighthouse, like there, the lighthouse is like for the rest of my life. When I hear the word lighthouse, I'll think of these books. 
Okay. Like it just figures in, but it's also about almost, almost exactly. I think the world is getting old and, and this is where the fabric of all things are coming apart. It seems like it's all about the point in the world which in the movie they call the shimmer. They don't use that terminology in the book, but oh, this okay. this area X is like basically where there's, we don't really know what it is yet. I don't know that we're ever going to know, but it's like this, whatever it is, is basically like turn, like it's either destroying or changing or whatever the world as we know it. So it, there's like a little bit of a, a dovetail. So as soon as I heard Lighthouse, it just, and then some of the themes of the show fit with the book. So I was like, oh, wow, weird. So it's always nice when that happens. I mean, I don't think it's going to really draw on these books, but, you know, right. it's just interesting. It's just a connection. Yeah. But, yeah, I feel much, much better about this episode than I did the last one. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm. oh, man, I can't wait. So the next week, I fly home on Monday morning. So for listeners, we will probably record this monday night and i will try to get it up monday night it might go up tuesday morning so we might be a day later next week just depending on how everything works out so i'll I'll probably actually buy uh internet on the fucking plane so i could watch the episode on the plane on monday even if i watch it sunday but i'm probably i'm probably won't be able to watch it sunday either maybe i don't i haven't figured that out but anyway so it might we might be a week later but uh if you're listening to this this is monday morning I mean, a day later. Sorry. <laughs> ah, see, the fabric of everything's coming apart in my head. <laughs> uh, in, any closing thoughts on episode two before we call it? No, just that now I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm psyched. I can't wait. Like, yeah, I almost wish I, I didn't have all this stuff next weekend to do just so I could watch the fucking show. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was apprehensive after that first episode. I'm like, well... We we decided we were going to do this. It, it's only six episodes. Hopefully, it doesn't suck. And I'd like I thought this episode was great, and I was in. And same. Now I care. After the first episode, I didn't really care about them yet, but I care about Navarro now, and I care. I think I care about Danvers. Yeah. I like Kavik and some of the other people in town. Yeah, I, I like Kavik a lot too. <laughs> I like Kavik and Rose quite a bit. Yeah, Rose, definitely. Well, okay. Until next week for Murder Board and the Horror Vision, I'm Sean. And I'm Missy. And don't play on the ice, boys and girls.
Harvest's missive? The world is sick, and humanity is the infection. The cure? Murder. From the twisted mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires, and Shadowplay in Book One, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder Virus. Available.